0: Hi, everybody. I'm Phil Town. And I'm Danielle Town.
1: And we're here to talk about investing. money.
0: Investing. Uh, we're here to talk about numbers today, which I got to tell you, I am not excited about.
1: Yeah, and your job here is to keep this from getting boring.
0: So. <laughs> I know what my job is. All right, very good. <laughs> then we, uh, I'm going to do my best. I'm not making any promises. I'm, oh, I'm dreading it, to be honest.
1: You know, the fun part about investing is spending the money
0: what we're going to spend money.
1: No, that's just the fun part about investing. Everybody loves to spend the money you get when you invest and you make a bunch of money. Oh, our profits. Yeah. Oh, but nobody likes the numbers. Well, there are people who love the numbers.
0: There are apparently a lot of people who like the numbers. And I think those are the people who watch CNBC all day long and like day trade and like to talk about, you know, minor upticks and downticks. And I just couldn't care less, to be honest. You want to
1: know something? Those are not investors.
0: They're day traders.
1: Those are traders. Those guys are gamblers. They're speculators. There's rock and roll. It's like, let's hit it. Let's make some money. Let's snort some coke. Let's hit it. Let's crank it. Come on, let's roll.
0: Is that what they're like?
1: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I just made that up. You know, everybody in New York paints the Wall Street guys with the particular brush, so I just thought I'd throw some coke in there.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not going to say it's entirely wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. It's probably not entirely wrong, but it's probably wrong for some people. So if we've just offended you.
0: You probably Tough. shouldn't be listening to this yeah, podcast.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's just too damn bad. So we uh, have got to talk about numbers because ultimately, and a little scarily, business has a language, and the language is numbers, some specific kinds of numbers. And um, the good news is, if you don't like math, this is still going to be okay.
0: Good. Yeah. That's good to hear.
1: Yeah. There's not, there's no math that, that the computer isn't going to do for you someplace.
0: Here's how I feel about math, having been in classrooms for many years involving math. I can do it if you teach it to me, but I'm not going to be able to figure
1: it out on my own. Your school screwed you up so bad with math. I know. They were teaching you, like, Vedic math from... Like BC 3000.
0: Yeah, we learned this really weird math system. Did you know that kids today, kids today? did you know that kids today learn a totally different style of math? No. There's a term for it that I don't remember, but it's different than like how you learned how to do. Is math. that
1: why when you go to the store, the person who's making change for you has to look at the at the at the cal- at the calculator to figure out how much change you get?
0: Yeah, that's exactly why that
1: because they can't has to do, do it. That. there you go. No, oh <laughs> no I'm blaming it on. Oh, the, no, no, <laughs> it isn't. The new math works. I
0: don't know why that. It's probably because they're tired. They, maybe don't, maybe they don't feel like doing the math in oh, their man. head just for fun.
1: Maybe that's why. But that's harder math than anything you have to do investing. The math at the grocery store, figuring out your change. That's that's wicked tough math. That's you know.
0: Well, right. I mean, I'm I, yeah. So the thing that's confusing about the investing math is. When you look at a um, balance sheet, there are so many numbers and so many columns or so many rows. There are not that many columns.
1: What's a balance sheet?
0: It involves the company. (laughs) 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 I know exactly what it is. I just want to know if you know what it is.
1: I know exactly what it is. Now, there's actually three financial statements that come with all the companies. You have to know. That is true. I know. I got you on the hook there, didn't I? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I write about them all the time, but I spend zero time actually with the documents. You so. had that
1: deer in the headlight look on your face there for a second. And the documents are really, really confusing. There's a profit and
0: loss. There is. Right? right? That's right? different than the balance sheet. Right. There's the balance sheet.
1: And then there's a cash flow and statement. And
0: there's, there's a cat. That's why I was about to say that one. I
1: know. I could see it coming up. Yeah. And they, they are together considered to be or called the financial statements for companies. And um, the bad news was that when I started investing, I had to actually figure those things out because we didn't have computers. And now they do have computers, and you don't have to figure out so much about what's going on in those things. Although I'm sure if Warren Buffett were listening to this, he would be appalled that I would suggest that you could be a great investor and not really, really know everything about those balance sheets. But the truth well, that's, is, computers that's the help scary you a lot. Bit.
0: That's the scary bit, right? Is you, okay, so like well, fill Warren town. Well, probably,
1: Warren probably figures you have to have a stick shift on your car, too. So there.
0: I mean, to be a proper driver, let's be honest. Yeah.
1: he's correct. <laughs> have a clutch. <laughs> You're not really driving. If you and just yet, have do it I
0: have one? No, I do not.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it used to be back when I was, you know, 16. I'd, I I was really thought that you had to understand the engine, how it worked, be able to fix it, take it apart, because cars would go down the road and they would just break, and then you'd be stranded if you didn't know something about, oh, you know, your spark plug wire came off. Today. You can't even find the spark plug wires in the engine. I mean, it's just buried. It's all
0: computers now, right? Oh,
1: yeah. It's all computers, and, yeah. and there's no way. So you, what what's happened is this quantum shift over to computers handling a lot of the dirty work, and that's happened now in investing. And that's actually one of the coolest things about what we're doing with this podcast is we're taking advantage of the fact that computers now take a lot of that dirty work away and make it possible for a little guy to invest on a really small amount of time. Compared to what that, you know, getting that same information would have taken 30 years ago.
0: So here, but here's my concern, and I'm not sure that actually you can assuage this concern at all. So, Phil Town tells me, here are the five numbers to look at. And I have no way of knowing if you're right or not. I mean, maybe there's seven numbers I need to look at, <laughs> or maybe the fifth number is stupid and there's four that really are the important ones. Like, I have no idea. So, how can I know that or are we, are we just going to listen to you? You take my word for it and you just
1: do it because I said to you. I'm
0: pretty sure that life is you, the opposite of that particular statement. I, <laughs> I,
1: I would love to leave it with that. That would be the easiest. I, I'm saying it's true. Go go, believe me. But in fact, like any other foreign language, you start to learn a few words and If you really need to use it, you know, you're living there in, you know, in Mexico or something, you need to learn to use the Spanish language and you start to learn more words, almost without trying because you're surrounded by the language. And so in a kind of way, that's what's going to happen here. The most difficult part is if you're plopped down in the middle of Mexico with nobody who speaks any English and you don't speak any Spanish and you don't have any friends and there's no translator and you can't, that can be really intimidating. And that's a little bit what happens to most people when they start to think about investing on their own is they feel like they're plopped down in, you know, use big stand someplace. And you just, it's all foreign. So the beauty of having five key numbers or four or six is it's a very small number of numbers. It doesn't have to be four or five or six, right? It's going to be in that ballpark someplace. And, you know, as all writers do about things, we... You know, give you a little system to use. And it's certainly not the only one, but this is a good system that I've put together. And it's based on a lot of work that Warren Buffett's done and, um, and people who follow Buffett, what they've followed along with. And these are good, this is a good place to start because it's easy. And that's really important when you're trying to learn a new language. It's got to be really easy. So we start with the important things. Like if you're in Mexico and you're just plopped out, you need to know, dónde está un baño? You
0: know, <laughs> I don't speak a word of Spanish, but I think I know what that one means.
1: Right on. Where's Where's the bathroom? Okay. Or
0: I agree that that is the most important phrase.
1: Or even more important, actually, the Donde está el baño follows this phrase in time, and the first phrase is always Deme una cerveza. Stop. Give me a beer. <laughs> then I need to know where the bathroom is. So. You, you you start with basic, basic terms to get around, right? So if somebody asks me if I speak Spanish, I always say, yeah, I speak enough to get around, you know, I, I, enough to travel a little bit. Yeah. So I don't want to give them the impression that I could actually understand what they're saying if they started rattling, right? So you're gonna be like that and everybody's gonna be like that when we start off. Um, don't rattle the numbers at me because I will get that look you know, like deer in the headlights.
0: You know, to take the language metaphor maybe to its too far of a conclusion, I think that if you can become comfortable enough with a language to where your accent is quite good, and you kind of have the right cadence of how to say it, because every language has a slightly different cadence. Like in French, you kind of go up at the end of a sentence a little bit. And if you don't do that, it's actually harder for the French to understand you. And in in English, we don't do that. So there's like a little bit of that movement to it. And if you can do that people think that you're better at that language than you actually are. <laughs> and so I think that there are a lot of people in the investing world who maybe don't know as much as they sound like they know just because they become fluent in the accent and in the cadence of that, that numbery language.
1: There, I think your metaphor is being stretched out to the twangy part, but I, I'll, go I totally I'll go along with right it. I go with it. right on. And I I think that part of the, you know, getting the little accent right is that after people have been around numbers a lot for investing, is they get quite good at spouting off numbers. But they don't actually know what they mean. That's
0: what I mean. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Is that what you meant? So, like, if I said, you know, the growth rate. (laughs) (laughs) So I raise. Dude, help me with that. I'm I'm not very good at the growth rate. rate, Do it. (laughs) Raise it. Lift it. Whatever you said.
0: Où est la bibliothèque? Ah, okay. Whereas if you just said, où est la bibliothèque, people would be like, what?
1: What? People would be like, quoi? Oh, quoi? Okay, so (laughs) if I say like 15% ROE?
0: Yeah, it's not an exact simile. Are we on similes or metaphors? One of them is like, and one of them you don't use the word like.
1: Well... I, I've always had trouble anyway, with similes is, and metaphors. Anyway, the point is,
0: let's try to it's learn some numbers. It's been a big problem most numbers. of my life. And, and hopefully get to the point where I can feel comfortable enough with discussing it and understanding where these numbers come from that it's not just because you said so. I mean, that's very important to my own confidence in what we're doing here.
1: Okay, but in fairness, to stay with the metaphor, oh God, if I told you, I'm done with this, if I told you that the word for beer is cerveza, and you said, I don't really want to take your word for it, I'd be like, what is wrong with you? Well,
0: that's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm well, fine
0: with you teaching me facts.
1: Okay. Okay. So some of these numbers are facts. Okay. And then it's the but understanding I think what the like number means.
0: These are the most important five numbers. That's an opinion.
1: Right. Right. But it's my opinion. Therefore.
0: Therefore, it's fact. <laughs> 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 All right. You know what? what? Lay the numbers on me, and then we can discuss if I believe you or not.
1: Okay. So here we go. We, I thought it was rather clever of you to bring up balance sheet because the most important number of the next four numbers, is off the balance sheet. Mm -hmm. Now, there's these three financial statements, okay? The balance sheet's one of them. And what the balance sheet covers is essentially asking this little question of you and your company. If you were to put on a sheet of paper the value, like what you could sell that thing for today, of everything this company's got, all the computers, the building you own, the trucks you've got. Um, the value of uh, your intellectual property that you bought from somebody or you know, Anything you can just prove is a value. You put that on as an asset. An asset is stuff you own, okay? Even if you owe money on it, it's still an asset. The full value goes on there. So like if you're doing this for at home, you'd be like, um, all right, I own a house and I think the market is about 450,000 and I own a, a car, I got three cars or two cars and a motorcycle, I've got four bikes, I've got, you know, a raft, whatever you got, and you, you put it all on there, and those are all assets. And then you, then you take the next section of this thing, which is called liabilities, and that's just everything you owe on all that stuff, or for anything else. If you got credit card debt, you'd put that on there, and your home loan's on there, your car loans are on there. Right, The loan you got, you know, you borrowed money from your dad, so you, you got to put that on there. Don't forget to put that loan on you going to make you work that off, you know. Legal advice. Oh, so um, the, the, uh, the whole liability list is all the stuff you got to pay off. All right. So for a company, what it, would, what it means on the balance sheet is, what we want to know is, if you stopped being a company tomorrow and you just shut it down and you sold off all the assets and you pay you got the cash and you paid off all the bills, what would be left and the thing that's left is called book value or equity. It's, it's what you own in the business that's actually yours after the smoke clears and you pay off everybody so um, that's really an important number um, the equity of the company but not nearly as important as the growth rate of the equity. So what I mean by that is, if you were to look at your equity after you subtract off all the liabilities of your house and your cars, and uh, and you have, let's say, $100,000 left, that's your equity or your book value mm-hmm. of you as a family. Um, that would be important to know. Okay, great, we get we got $100,000 net. But, really important would be to know that it's growing at 50% a year like the year before it was like 66,000 and now it's a hundred thousand and then the next year if we had a series of years we'd see oh it started at 66 then they went to 100 then they went to 150 then they went to 190 and then they went to 220 and we'd see that the growth rate is sort of slowing down a little bit but it's still really good growth rate you know like 20 30 mm-hmm. percent so um, it's the growth rate we care about. So that's the first number. What is the growth rate of the book value of this business?
0: So your assets are growing in value, your liabilities are diminishing, or, or some combination of the two. Right, And that's how a growth rate happens.
1: Right, 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 right. Exactly. So it gets really easy for our favorite kinds of companies that don't have any debt. They don't have any, they got short-term liabilities. So You're not know, you got to pay the phone bill, but they don't have this monster debt. And so if they can grow those assets, then it goes down to equity really fast. And that's a wonderful business. So that's, this is the first number to indicate um, that we would look at to figure out, for example, if Whole Foods is a wonderful business. Mm-hmm. We look at the equity growth rate. So it's almost like the equity itself for a living company isn't that important. Because we're not—it's not a dead company. Like when when uh, Ben Graham was teaching um, at Columbia University back in the '30s and '40s and '50s, he was teaching how to buy companies that were basically being priced as if they were dead, like during the Depression and World War like II. Like they're
0: not growing at all.
1: Like as if they're not growing at all. Like what would you pay for this business if it wasn't growing at all and was about to die? Because it's the Depression, and maybe it will. Yeah would you be willing to pay a certain amount for that? And I don't know, would you? That's a kind of interesting question. If you were in the Depression and you had an opportunity to buy a company for $100,000 and you didn't know if it was going to survive, would you you be willing to buy that company at some price?
0: Well, it would depend what the book value is.
1: Dude, Ah! that's awesome! (laughs) Yes, well done. That was a high five you just heard right there. So that is exactly right. It would depend on whether or not, if you shut down the company, you would make a really good return on your money. Like, what if the book value um, of this company, when you really, really tighten up the assets to where you know you can sell them off for this, what if the book value of that company is $500,000 and you could buy that in 1935 for $100,000? Would you do that deal? I mean it's kind of like a free lottery ticket. If you think about it, if the company lives and breathes and grows, that's a huge upside that you, you didn't really pay for mm-hmm. because you bought something worth $500,000. You could, you could sell it tomorrow
0: mm-hmm.
1: and get your, get 200 or get, you know, you know, you're going to get your hundred. If you bought the whole company, you, you have the choice of shutting it down and, if these guys can hang in there, if the employees can you know, go forward and they make it happen and you want that to happen, man, it, maybe it turns into a million or two million or five million or 10 million by 1950. So it's, a, it's like getting a free lottery ticket. So the book value is important in that sense, especially for going into a really rough financial time. We'd want to look very closely at what the real book value is. But for most of the companies we're going to be interested in, These are really wonderful companies and we're not in a depression and we are simply not going to be able to buy them for, you know, a fifth of book value. It just ain't going to happen because they're alive and breathing. And the value of that business isn't what it's worth if you kill it and sell off the pieces. The value of that business, almost everything we're going to buy is in the growth of that business, the growth of something very important, the cash. In that business. How much cash is coming through the growth of this business back to me as the owner? That'll help me figure out the value of the business. Because
0: we're not buying these companies, obviously, to sell them tomorrow. We're buying them in order for them to grow. Yeah, we hope we don't
1: sell them at all because then we'd have to figure out where else to put our money and that causes work and work is, you know.
0: We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. No.
1: We want to goof off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as much as possible, we want to goof off. It's really something. Manish Prabhu is a great investor. He manages about a billion dollars. Um, he he um, is just an absolute. As much as it's possible for him to be, he's a clone of Warren Buffett. He <laughs> paid I think a million dollars to have lunch with with Warren Buffett. What he yeah. Was that a
0: charity thing or something? It was. and
1: um, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was a bidding war, right, about who would be crazy enough. And he did it. Um, and he had lunch with Buffett. And, I mean, the, the guy is brilliant. I mean, he's a wonderful investor. I mean, you have to be really good to invest a billion dollars. you got to know what you're doing. And his compounded rates of return, I think, last I heard from him, were ballpark 34% a year. All the way through the two thousands, like for the last 12, 15 years, and um, which is really something wow. considering what we went through, right? Yeah, yeah. So humongous. So he must have had a few
0: return. really huge years, or he somehow made money during the recession.
1: No, I think actually a lot of the the companies he owned went down with the market. You know, they went down a bit, but they uh, came screaming back, and he added to his ownership when they were down, and that yeah. created huge rates of return. Um, and he's, you know, he's absolutely a rule one type investor, 100%. And he was at some um, event with his wife. And he was asked, how many people does it take you in your organization to run your fund, you know, a billion dollar fund? And his wife chipped in and just said, point one. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Munger, who... Minesh Admires is, is, is 92 years old and is, is a, a peer of Warren Buffett's and, a, and the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. And a, and he and Warren invest together and alike. And Charlie, he's our
0: guru he's from our the beginning from of the the beginning. Series. Exactly. Anybody so if this series. If you've got this far, you know who Charlie yeah, is. Yeah, exactly.
1: And Charlie said, our investing style is really laziness bordering on sloth. Would be... <laughs> would be the key.
0: You know, I have to say I hear that and I'm just like rolling my eyes because there's no way that's true. I mean, maybe to them who have like insanely intelligent minds that are constantly working and they're just like, oh, I only spend, you know, half an hour a day on this stuff. Like, come on. Okay, I'm going to give you another metaphor. Maybe for the extraordinary people up in the sky, but like for us mortal people on the ground, I no, just I just don't know about
1: I, that. I've been doing this for thirty years, and I, I'm going to tell you, you, you know that I do a lot of things. I do a lot of goofing off.
0: You do a lot of things. Yeah. It's true. Yeah.
1: yeah. So <laughs> let me just say that I am in full agreement with these guys that um, we do have bursts where you've got to you know put the pedal to the metal, right? You got to do some reading.
0: So there you go. That's that's real. Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. And I wrote in rule number one. I wrote, you know, like if you, you know, before you start going to work on a company and trying to, to really um, invest in it, you need to put in 10 or 15 hours in the company minimum to get an idea. And um, we can talk about that another time. I'll, I'll, I'll sh- I'll, another time I'll go through what, what it looks like to do the research step by step. So we should write that down for something to do. Okay. Are you writing it?
0: N- not yet.
1: Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll forget. Note. Note to Note self. Note to self. Okay. Go
0: through research. Yeah. Somehow I thought that's what we were doing with well, this we, whole
1: foods thing. We are. We're going. Maybe yeah, not. We are. In, Good
0: thing I'm writing it
1: down. Okay, yes. So, um, So where were we? We were talking about Manesh and you talking thinking about. Thinking it's how not really a lot of work. They don't going work on a here. lot, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, part of the reason is because. Mostly, the best thing you can do when you're doing our kinds of investing is nothing R- because you're really waiting for something that's obvious so
0: so it sounds like it's kind of fits and bursts like you do a lot of um, research and study and decide to buy a company and then once you buy the company, you're kind of hands off
1: yeah, you're sort of hands off um I mean there's one that I'm buying right now, and so's monash and I'll tell you, right now, it's like it dropped dramatically over the last few weeks. The price dropped, you know, like crazy. Mm-hmm. So here we were thinking we didn't have to do anything. And then all of a sudden, the price is dropping. So now I got to find out why.
0: Hmm.
1: Right. So I need to so. know if my story is still good. Right. Yeah. yeah right, right. So if the story starts to change, then I got to think about changing the investment. But, you know, this is a once in a while thing. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, the price is hmm, wonder why. And then you go find out why, and then you go, oh, cool, well, I'm going to buy some more, <laughs> <laughs> which is what we did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so the um, the actual amount of work that goes on here isn't 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 extreme, but it really helps you to understand the language. And that's what keeps the amount of work down. As you look at critical numbers, then you see, oh, are those changing in the way I want them to change, or are they changing in some other way? So the first one.
0: So the first number is book value?
1: Book value. Growth okay. rate. Oh, it's
0: not the actual book value?
1: No. Don't care that much about the book value itself.
0: Oh, well, you had me totally convinced about how important that is to yeah. know it's, it's if a, we could sell it tomorrow, what it, we would get for
1: it. Yeah, no, it's great um, if we're in a depression. You're like, yeah, that's nice. Have, <laughs> like, <laughs> if we honestly, we we will see that those deals if we have a depression, and it, you know, it, in some parts of the country right now, in some parts in some industries like right now in the natural gas industry. They're pretty much having a depression. Oh, in the coal industry, they're really having a depression. Hmm. You can buy coal mines for, you know, not pennies on the dollar, but dimes on the dollar right now. If you want coal mines, and we'll get back around to this, you know, there's a reason for that. And you want to look at that reason and decide, is this a long-term real problem or is this a short-term issue?
0: Okay. So we have so many things to talk about, about this, like researching the company thing.
1: Yeah. Let's
0: get Let's back to the Let's just get basics. back to the numbers. <laughs> And then we can circle, once we've finished with Whole Foods, we can circle back around to all of this other, um, like, how on earth do you decide what to look at okay. kind of discussion.
1: Okay, fair enough. So, okay, so the
0: first yeah. number is the growth rate of the book value.
1: Yep, growth rate of the book value. And... Um,
0: Where would one find such a number?
1: Okay, well, this gets into into using a computer. Um <laughs> computer helps a lot. I mean, the, there are programs that are written that help compile this data and spit it out and just tell you what the growth rate is. And we put together one of those for me to use. So this is
0: not a number that's found in any of the financial statements. Of no, the company.
1: they don't publish this number in the SEC required numbers. You have got it. To okay. get it. You, have to, you have to either calculate it yourself or you have to go someplace where they're going to calculate it for you.
0: Okay, so this just got more complicated. All right,
1: no. so I
0: have to go find it somewhere.
1: Yeah, now there's I'm gonna I'm gonna in our or show I have notes. have to create
0: an Excel spreadsheet and like put and in numbers. Figure
1: and, it all out, which will be a whole nother level of agony. That just so, no.
0: begs a whole situation of yeah. error-filled I, I, <laughs> options.
1: Deer in the headlights thing. So w- <laughs> we don't want to do that at at this point. Later on, as you get more comfortable with the language, Excel spreadsheets will be fun. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you'll never have to use one if you don't want to.
0: I thought I wasn't supposed to work.
1: No, no that work. sounds like work. No work required. This is just, in fact, we should be having fun. It's like one of the ways to play a game where you can really have fun is to, to set it up so you'll win <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Um, so like if you wanted to win at, let's say, tennis, how would you do it?
0: Well, I would choose someone to play against who's worse than me.
1: There you go. So you pick a weak opponent. <laughs> this is how you make tennis fun, and it's it, and you win. That's such a so, sad thing to say. It's <laughs> it's true, this though. is how you make tennis fun. <laughs> it's true. So if you were running track, you could compete against an opponent who's jumping over those four-foot hurdles, however high they are, and your hurdles are six inches.
0: All right, this is a sad comment on what we think is fun in sports. I think it's fun to play somebody who's at the same level as you so that you maybe lose, maybe win. Now you're and taking you the metaphor better. too far. I know, but I don't like the
1: metaphor. <laughs> is it a metaphor or a simile? I don't oh. Okay, so we'll come back to you on that. We'll put it in the show notes. So, and, so I will put in the show notes a list of public websites where you can go and get this kind of information free. All right? Cool. Cool. And it'll be places like MSN Money, Yahoo, Google has some of this. uh, ADVFN has got, got it. But the problem with... All the free stuff is that it doesn't go deep enough. Nobody kind of wants to give you the free stuff deep enough. So you go back like five years.
0: What is deep? Oh, it means the amount of time. Right,
1: in. the amount of time. You're going back into the data. So going deeper into the data, okay, it's, it's, it gets costly for these guys to compile all that. So... You know, and since they don't have a real point of view at MSN or Yahoo or you know any of these other sites, they don't have an investing strategy or point of view that they just have to do all the numbers, all every huge pile of them. So they keep it down to five years. I totally get it, but five years isn't enough because that only gives you four years of growth rates. Right? Mm-hmm. Year one is always your zero year because you don't have a growth rate with only one year. Mm-hmm. So if our family is growing from a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand. That requires two years, and that creates one growth rate. So five years of data only creates four years of growth rates, which is just not even that helpful. You don't, you don't, you can't see far enough back on the road that they've been traveling, right? You're kind of looking backwards out the rearview mirror the, or rear window of the car, and you're you're trying to see what does this road look like in the, in the past. And the road only goes over a short little hill, and then you can't see. So what we did is we put together a website at rule1investing.com and we created the data we need to see and compiled it for you. And it's free. So go there. How how (laughs)
0: handy is that?
1: (laughs) It didn't used to be free, but as of creating this podcast, I made it free. (laughs) Well, that's good because then
0: we can talk about it. And
1: we're going to have to run really fast to make sure it's free by the time this comes out. So (laughs) we've got our team working on... uh, on getting that set up so that you can come out and look at these numbers and see it through the way we look at it in this podcast.
0: Okay, so how many years do you use?
1: We use 11.
0: So that it's 10 years of growth We have 10
1: periods, yeah.
0: Okay. Over. So growth rate... Of and book the, value over 11 years. Yep,
1: and then when that's just cuz we're cheap. Is the fill town <laughs> number? I want to go back 20 and 30 years and when I really start digging into a company, I'm going to go do that work and gather that data in. I want to see it as far back, but in terms of compiling these and ma- you know, making it easy on all of us, we just did 11 years. So, and you feel like that's a
0: good enough amount of looking in the rearview mirror to have a a useful sense. I do. of what the company's Particularly been doing. Particularly,
1: the last eleven years are really right. awesome. Yeah,
0: because we've been so up and down.
1: Exactly. You get a very good look at what this company is doing in tough times. You know, so we've got this first number: book value growth rate, or the growth rate of equity, or the growth rate of book value. You could say it like that. Now, other a lot of. What you'll see is people talking about it in terms of per share. So you see book value per share. Mm -hmm. And that's just the book value of the company divided by the number of shares that are out there. So if our company had a hundred, our family had a hundred thousand dollars of book value and there were 10 shares of this in the family, then each share would have $10 of book value. Pretty straightforward. So we show it both ways on our website, but we use a lot of per share. Um, there's some reasons for that to make it a uh, somewhat more accurate number
0: hmm.
1: because companies not only can change the book value number, they can also change the per share number and they do that a lot. And it changes what you're getting as well, an course. individual owner. Yeah. So we want to kind of know that that that's happening. Okay. So we do book value per share. So that's the first one. And that's on. And if you were to compile this on your own, you would go to the financial statements, you'd go to the balance sheet and it's the the Essentially, the uh, uh, not the last line, but almost next to the last line. There's a line that says equity on a balance sheet, and it has the equity or book value of that company. And um, on our website, you can go there and go to the financial statements and go click on balance sheet, and you'll see that it shows you a number for all the way back, as many years as we've got.
0: You have that information on your website? You can <laughs> go look at companies' financial statements?
1: Yep. You cool. pull the financial statements and they're right there, all laid out for you, really simple. And you'll see that there's like a bazillion numbers on that page. And we're going to only for right now look at that one row. That's the only one we, we're we going to care about right now. It's just that one row that says equity or book value per share. Okay. And then on another page in, in the tool set, we call this a like tool set. Um,
0: Clearly, I've never been on your website.
1: You've never been. We use this a lot. I mean, I I built this for me to be able to avoid, you know, cranking out a bazillion Excel spreadsheets. So (laughs) it makes things really fast, and it compiles a lot of these key numbers by itself. So I I hope I'm not overhyping my own website, but it's the only place you can do this on the planet where it looks at it like this. Um, well,
0: I mean, literally, we were talking about this before we started recording. And I said, Dad, where do you get these numbers? Because I knew you were going to lay out some numbers. And you were like, oh, God, i got to figure that out. <laughs> and there was nowhere where you could find it. I mean, you tried. You Googled it. You spent like half an hour yeah, looking. and
1: I was really hopeful that somebody had come out with a big old pile of yeah. free stuff. 80 VFN comes as close as I can get. And you have to do it in five-year chunks. Um, and it doesn't compile the growth rates for you that I could find, but it must be on there. I'm going to get an email from somebody at ADVFN that'll tell us how, and I'll come back on a show note and and add that to it. Um, I'm not out there you know, pushing you to come to this website. It's just that we look at it this way, and yeah. so we pay a lot of attention to growth rates. Now, moving on, the next number, in, and these next three numbers are not in order of importance. Well, they're a little bit in order of importance. The next number is... Um, that I would look at would be earnings per share. Okay. Growth rate. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, were you to take some notes on this, you would say these are the big four growth rates. Okay. The big four. So the big four growth rates. I'll summarize them quickly for you. The, f- the first one is book value per share growth rate. The second one's earnings per share growth rate. The third one is cash, operating cash. Per share growth rate, and the fourth one is sales per share growth rate. So those are the four, and we'll talk about each one of them here.
0: Yeah, um, I'm realizing that these take a little while to discuss.
1: Well, they do, and they're, they're they're. Which is so good. Fun. It's
0: good because it ma- it seriously like it makes it more interesting to me to understand where on earth these things come from instead of just memorizing which ones you're supposed to know. I think that's why a lot of times for me it's like in one ear and out the other because I'm just memorizing it. It's just an accounting thing. It's just on a balance sheet. And uh, I have a hard time visualizing where these numbers actually come from.
1: Yeah, we want you to be able to, you know, talk business and have your voice go up. That's right. Like that. So everybody knows, oh, you actually know what that means. Or down. Yeah, because a lot of people... Talk about, like, earnings per share. We'll go on to that one. Earnings per share is on the uh, income statement, or what you called the profit and loss. Those are two names for the same thing. And so, um, it's, it's you know, on the profit and loss statement, there's two major numbers you look at. The first one is the top line of the sheet, which is, it's sales, or sometimes it's put in there as revenue. And they call that the top line, because it's...
0: Is it on the top?
1: It's the top. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then guess what?
0: I like how you looked at me waiting. I was that, waiting for, for that this. answer. Yes,
1: I knew you were going to do that. So, that, And then the EPS would be the.
0: I have no idea what you're looking for there.
1: Bottom line.
0: Well, uh, how am I supposed to know that?
1: I don't know. I was just hoping you'd make the leap. <laughs> it so, could be in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> so you do, on the income statement, you have top line and bottom line. You've heard this expression, you know, hey, bottom line is. Hmm. And that comes from these financial statements where the earnings per share is the bottom line. And what that is, is a fictional view of how well you're doing.
0: All right, so let's back up on this <laughs> Keyword
1: on fictional. <laughs> let's hope you catch that.
0: So obviously, earnings are the earnings of the business Yes. divided by the share, the number of shares. Yes. What exactly does earnings of the business mean?
1: Well, if you... Take the top line, which is sales. Um, That is the money that's coming in the door, theoretically, from what you sold.
0: Revenue.
1: Revenue. And then you subtract out all of the stuff it cost you to do that, including, eventually, everything. General and administrative expenses get taken out of there. All of your cost of production gets taken out of there. All of your sales costs get taken out of there. Um, and then you take out your interest payments on any interest you got, and you take out your taxes, and at the very end of all of this stuff, at the very, it all rolls down at the very bottom. You have net income, and when you divide it by the number of shares, you have oh, net so it's income your net. per share. And they call it per call share. But you called it
0: some car.
1: I know Wall Street gibberish. It's like if it's important. The whole time give you're it describing it that, 10 10, I'm 10, 10.
0: thinking this sounds like net to me. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs>
1: Well now you know. And you can go, net? <laughs> <laughs> net.
0: Um all right. So earnings per share is the net income per share.
1: Yeah. Earnings per share. And they just abbreviate that, EPS. And you'll see that as you know, as something. And that
0: new. is on the profit and loss statement or the income statement.
1: Exactly. And so since in a business, the bottom line is is it's net income, we get the phrase bottom
0: line D- drum roll yeah, yeah. so awesome we need some sound effects um okay cool so those two make sense to me all right and now i know where to find them except that finding those numbers doesn't actually matter because you're supposed to know the growth rate as well yep which means that i have to go to say it again rule rule one, one investing
1: and just is one spelled out or is it just the number? O and e, yes, yeah, spelled out. Okay. All right. So, otherwise, what you do is you go to, um, you go to, A D V F N, or you go to M S N, and you get as many years as you can, and then you calculate the rate of growth, of, earnings per share from one year to the next, and that's just done by dividing the previous year into the new year. So if you have a dollar twenty. Per share in the new year, and you get a dollar in the old year, you divide a dollar into dollar twenty, and you get 120%. And the growth rate on that is you remove the one Mm. from that. Mm -hmm. So your growth rate is 20%. And it should look kind of intuitive, like, okay, I get an extra 20 cents. Mm -hmm. That's not double. (laughs) So okay, it's 20%. Okay. Um, and so that would be a one-year growth rate. But we want more growth rates than just one year.
0: So why don't we hold those for the next episode? Does that sound good? Sure. Sounds like we're going to have to talk about these a little bit more.
1: Okay. well, then let me just kind of point where we're going on this. We really want to compile a kind of group of growth rates. I'd like to know all the one-year growth rates. That would be great, right, from year to year. Oh, this one's 20%. That one's 14%. The next one's 2%. Then the next one's 18% year to year. But probably more important is to kind of look over the hills and the valleys, get a little longer view of the whole picture, and look at a three-year growth rate.
0: Wait a second. And we a started out with eleven rate, years, and now and you're a telling a seven me one. And a seven-year growth rate.
1: the growth And rates. a ten-year growth rate. So all I right. want, I want to you look want at this all in all the growth rates. I want to, I want to be able to see it in lots of levels, like dialing in on a picture.
0: Mm-hmm. You're far
1: away, and then you can just keep coming in, coming in. Well, when we dial in so close, that we're in one year, we're so close in this picture, we might not be able to see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. So we want to back off. And we want to back off in discrete chunks. And it turns out that a three-year, five-year, seven-year, ten-year backing away from, from looking at the trees gets us our best view of the forest. We start to get the best view of the whole picture. So we'll talk about that more next time, how that works.
0: I can buy that. That makes sense. Sure. And
1: we'll get into the other two growth rates
0: no, I thought we had five growth rates. Sorry,
1: the other two
0: numbers. Oh, key, other two big growth four rates, numbers. and then there's
1: a fifth. It's no, the, what we're talking one. about is the, that we have four, big four growth rates, we call them. Uh-huh. And that is book value per share, earnings per share, sales, and cash. Uh-huh. So we want all four of those. I want to explain what each one of those is.
0: And maybe my memory is off, but I swear that we had five numbers to look at.
1: Oh, there's five numbers. There's actually six. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
0: Make up your mind.
1: And Monash probably has 10.
0: All right. But the key is
1: there's a small number of words you got to know to go in and get a beer and find the bathroom. (laughs) Until next time. (laughs) Brought to you. Why is guns and motorcycles coming to mind? Yes, indeed it is. So.
0: All right. Thank you.
1: Time to go play.
0: All right. See ya. Bye, everybody.
1: Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Invested, the rule number one podcast. If you like us, please subscribe, please, and leave a review for us on iTunes. Uh, By the way, you can get our notes and links for this podcast and post comments about this show and uh, also get more information about how to invest on your own by going to investedpodcast.com. By the way, everything, this is important, everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion. And it isn't to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for entertainment and education only. I, I got to tell you, I really hope you enjoyed it. And I know Daniel does too. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.